Coming up on This Week in Games, Rockstar Games comes under fire over corporate taxes. Fortnite pays out one of the most lucrative esports events in history, and we answer the question of how much an Overwatch League spot is worth. Coming up, This Week in Games. It's that time of the week for your video game industry news rundown. I'm your host here at McConnell, and there was some accounting drama in the video game industry. So, Rockstar apparently doesn't pay taxes. Um, <laughs> I guess, I guess I can't say I'm not surprised. According to TaxWatchUK.org, which describes itself as an investigative think tank, whatever that means, Rockstar Games hasn't paid a cent in corporate taxes in the last ten years but has taken in over $50 million in government subsidies from the UK. Pretty crazy. Um, this is all while taking into account Rockstar has made an estimate $5 billion in profits over the last six years. Hilariously, Rockstar claims they, they have made less than $58 million in profits over the last six years in the UK, which we know is completely untrue thanks to the Leslie Benz lawsuit where... Um, <laughs> They claim, Leslie Benz claims he was owed unclaimed profit sharing for one year to the tune of $250 million and that the two Hauser brothers each paid themselves profit sharing $250 million that year. What Rockstar does um, is they claim the offices in the UK, which house the Edinburgh office, which is the largest by far and really the flagship office of Rockstar Games, they claim that the UK offices make none of the profits while claiming all the profits are made by the US office, which doesn't make any sense because GTA is made, you know, in the Edinburgh office, whereas uh, RDR2 is mostly made in the San Diego office. Rockstar also claimed 19% of all tax relief for small and medium-sized businesses that make culturally British games, which is strange because, number one, the Edinburgh office houses anywhere between 300 and 450 employees so definitely not small or medium size and number two all major rockstar games take place in the u.s so how the hell is this culturally british um i don't know this looks pretty bad for rockstar um i worked there a little over two years from 2014 to 2016 and when the ben's lawsuit came out it was hard to swallow that the three head honchos were paying each other $250 $250 million a year profit sharing while the employees were working like me 12 hour day minimums and making under market value for 40 hour a week jobs. <laughs> so I can't imagine people in the UK are pretty happy. In fact, a lot of the comments are pretty unhappy. I mean, this is a company that takes $5 billion in profits, pays not a cent to the UK government, which is much more socialized um, of a system because they have like you know, public health care and so so on, much more socialized of a system than we have in the U.S. Like, this is something I expect a U.S. company to do, not something I expect a European company to do. They take all the benefits for their U.K. employees, which house, again, the Edinburgh office, which is the biggest chunk of all Rockstar employees, take all the government benefits, pay no corporate taxes, claim all the monies made in America, and then claim a bunch of different tax reliefs and tax aids and tax write-offs. And, you know, you, you can go read the story or go to uh, taxwatchuk.org because there's a number of tax write-offs that Rockstar does. But 
I don't know. I can't say I'm surprised. I mean, I really, I truly feel like for the head, head, head honchos at Rockstar, like there, there is no amount of money to satisfy them. Like there's nothing like, so, I mean, they're just going to make people work, you know, crazy hours for no pay and just pocket it all. So <laughs> like, I'm not really surprised they're hiding all the money from the government. What I, what I find even more funny is that the U S claims Rockstar is also paying them no taxes. And then both governments work together to sue the shit out of them. But you know, there's probably some crazy loophole where the company claims it's based out of Jamaica and that's where all the taxes go. So who knows? All right. Another Rockstar uh, news update. So last week we announced Rockstar Games is actually adding a casino to the game, which I find this like crazy that the the company who lauds free to play games um, is just f- frankly blatantly adding a social casino to GTA 5. Rockstar's big GTA 5 casino update. Well, it's an overwhelming success. So I knew there was a problem when one of my favorite podcasts, The Joe Rogan Experience, actually had a commercial for GTA 5's Diamond Casino. Joe Rogan awkwardly read off some, like, take-two advertising copy for, you know, effectively a third-person adventure game installing a social casino in it. Um, And, yeah, GTA 5's online has reportedly seen such a huge influx of players that it reached peak numbers that it hasn't seen since the launch of GTA 5 Online back in 2013. As of now, though, over 50 countries have either placed restrictions on the Diamond Casino or outright banned the update from their country due to strict gambling laws. I guess it'll be hard to justify how the Edinburgh <laughs> office makes $0 for Rockstar when they're the ones who make all the GTA Online updates. But, you know, keep on doing Rockstar, Rockstar. <laughs> all right, next up. OMG top streamer ninja departs twitch for microsoft mixer so the surprising move microsoft is paying the bounty to steal twitch's number one streamer in terms of viewerships and revenue ninja currently the streamer holds the highest viewership for a stream ever on twitch announced via some kind of shitty mock press conference his exclusivity with mixer stating that all future streams will be exclusively on microsoft mixer ninja is estimated to earn I don't know, one figure said $500,000 a month for streaming Fortnite. That actually seems a bit high, in my opinion, but I don't know, it makes sense. Uh, Another figure said he made $1 million over the course of a few days to play Apex Legends exclusively for a few days. $1 million. Um, Currently, Mixer Sports, 119 million hours watched in Q2 2019. Very impressive. But kind of gets shattered by Twitch's $2.7 billion for the same Q2 2019. So you can kind of see. I honestly, like, uh, I don't I don't really get it because, like, I honestly thought Microsoft was going to kill Mixer. It's kind of like YouTube had YouTube Gaming. They really tried. They bought some exclusivity, I think, with some league or something. Bought over some, like, core streamers. Never made it happen, right? Facebook had their own streaming crap. They tried to go into games for a hot minute, gave up on that. They now focus on like live streaming, like life events. I honestly thought Microsoft was going to give up on Mixer as well, or at least pivot to something not games. But 
I mean, looking at this, I'm assuming Microsoft paid guaranteed money, which is easily over $10 million for Ninja. And what's interesting is all the risk is on Ninja. When Ninja leaves Twitch, the void of being that number one Fortnite streamer, the most lucrative position in all of Twitch and all of game streaming, really, will be filled by another multicolor haired gamer. And if Mixer is an utter failure, which it rightfully could be, and Ninja wants to return to Twitch, I mean... He may find himself in a much worse off position than when he left. So for Microsoft, it makes sense because if you truly want Mixer to compete with Twitch, you need like constant numbers. So streamers and personalities pull more weight than professional esports leagues. So Microsoft paid for Smite's Pro League to be exclusive to Mixer, and it effectively killed whatever viewership Smite had to people that don't play Smite. Because you log on Twitch, you're like, hey, what the... What's this Smite crap that's like number one or two whenever Smite's holding a big event? You might watch it, but when Smite's only on Microsoft Mixer, you know, everyone who's there to watch Smite is watching Smite. Everyone who's there to watch other stuff, oh wait, there's no other stuff, so no one, you know, you're not getting like casuals to watch Smite. Um, and I doubt the Smite loyals brought over their retentive viewing outside of Smite, you know, whatever, Pro League tournaments. So Microsoft needs to target a streamer that brings in daily viewership. And this way, Mixer becomes a habitual stop in a viewer's routine. Whereas in terms of esports, you kind of get just weekly stops at most, right? It'd be like uh, someone buying exclusive rights to Clemson football games. Clemson only plays at most one football game a week. But if you buy the exclusive rights to... I don't know, the New York Yankees, right? The Yankees could play up to seven games a week. So you're really building in much more habits and it both costs the same or, you know, somewhat comparatively, you'd frankly rather have the Yankees because you're going to get people seven days a week, whereas Clemson football, you might get more people. You're getting them one day a week and really you want Mixer to kind of be a habit for people. So, oof, I don't know. We'll have to see how this pans out. I, I just don't like it. Like, I... Being the number one streamer on Twitch, you must have got a pretty penny. It must be that, like, retire at 30 money. But I really, I mean, you, you're effectively giving up the throne. So you must have known it. I mean, maybe Ninja's numbers are going down. Maybe he's doesn't get the contracts he used to get. I don't know. But you got to know you're giving up the throne when you go over to Mixer. All right, next up. Tencent officially launches their cloud gaming services on Wii Games. So... A rattle of, I assume to be Chinese-only games, Moonlight Blade, Chinese Parents, Blood of Seal, and Killers of the Three Kingdoms are the first titles for cloud gaming on Tencent's Wii game platform. These will be available to be played instantly in the same fashion as, I don't know, exactly like Google Stadia's offering. You know, you just click it and play it instantly because it's spun up on a cloud server and it streams straight to you. I don't see anything related to cost, but it appears to be... I guess, dare I say, free for Wii game users? Like, I, I don't know. I, I didn't see a single thing about costs in their English-translated press releases. Maybe there's a cost breakdown. I don't know. And I don't know. We'll have to see. For the first wave of cloud gaming offering, I'd be curious to see the adoption rates and how things like accessibility, pricing, exclusive titles, and other properties affect whether cloud gaming actually takes off or not. So accessibility meaning, like, um, you know, like Stadia, will likely be only available on tablets, uh, Chromebooks, mobile, and through Chromecast. But, like, 
it's something like whatever Microsoft's Project X Cloud, if that's available on anything, no matter what device you have or what kind of device, if it's on Roku, it's on Fire Stick, if it's on everything, you know, will that affect adoption? Will the fact that Tencent is, it seems like making it free affect adoption? Will exclusive titles affect adoption? We'll have to see. Yeah. All right, next up. I'm going to go over this really fast because uh, I feel like I shouldn't dive deep into this, but Android Police is reporting Google is testing an app subscription service called Google Play Pass. So Android Police obtained screenshots of a similar offering to, you know, effectively what Apple Arcade is, but under the Google Play's umbrella, according to Android Police's screenshots, Google Play Pass will also feature premium apps on top of games. So slightly different than Apple Arcade, but effectively the same thing. I'll wait for the official announcement to comment on this. I've never heard of Android Police before this story, but I assume it's a trustworthy <laughs> website. All right, let's get to some business news. So Fortnite World Cup, it happened. Um, I didn't watch it, but it happened, and it paid out a total of $30 million in prizes. So one of the most lucrative esports events in recent history is over the Fortnite World Cup. Every single competitor walked away with $50,000 just to show up, and the top placing players received over a million dollars with the winner, Kyle Gearsdorf. I didn't say that right. Taking home $3 million at just the age of 16. Pretty crazy. Just showing up to the World Cup, you effectively get kind of like a yearly salary, like 50 k just to show up to the World Cup and enter. Fortnite creator Epic Games announced last year that they're earmarking $100 million to be put towards Fortnite esports events in 2018 and 2019. A 16-year-old winning $3 million was probably the most prolific, prolific gaming news of the week. And I saw it a lot on the mass media, you know, like local news stations going, and your parents thought gaming wasn't going to pay off. But now look, this 16-year-old just got $3 million. <laughs> Whatever. Um, I don't know. I have a few questions to ask about myself to ask about this to myself. I don't quite know how Epic is going to quantify an event like this and the subsequent press compared to the $3 million plus price tag. I say plus because they had to throw the event and hire everyone. You know, do events like this help sustain a community? Do events like this really matter to the Fortnite community? You know, is Fortnite really a competitive game? Is the free press of giving a 16-year-old $3 million worth over $3 million, you know, I don't know. I knew this event was going on, but again, my my limited group of eSport viewer friends didn't call me up and say, like, oh, you got to turn on Twitch right now. There's this, like, crazy event, you know? And alternatively, I feel like something like Evo 2019 is getting much, much more hype in gamer press and effectively serves as the largest, most prestigious tournament for many fighting games. And even the payouts for winning is just tens of thousands of dollars at Evo. Like, I remember one year someone won um, Street Fighter 4, and it was like, God, it broke like 2,000 entrants. They basically played Street Fighter 4 three days straight, and I think they took home $19,000, you know, and they're the best Street Fighter player in the world, and the tournament got hundreds of thousands of views. And this brings me to my, my next point. Grassroots events seem to have more hype better press, better community engagement, and can prop up an entire franchise. But then on the same side, you have these monolithic esports events that just shit on them. 
you know, evil Evo's prize Evo's prize pool can't compare to thirty million dollars from Epic. But watching or attending Evo is probably, you know, many 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 times more fun and engaging than attending the Fortnite World Cup, right? And the question I'll be looking out for in the future is like, is a war chest necessary for esports tournaments or leagues? And can something like Evo survive and thrive in a world with Overwatch League? And alternatively, alternatively, can't Overwatch League turn enough profits in a world where players and viewers have much more fun and engagement at a grassroots community event? And I think the future of kind of expensive corporate leagues such as Fortnite, Overwatch, and League of Legends will let us know, but I personally don't see events like Evo going anywhere but up. That's my opinion. <laughs> All right, next up. We got a little glimpse. So um, last week we learned that a League of Legends NALCS spot is worth $30.25 million. Well, this week, Immortals Gaming Club is required to sell its sec- second Overwatch League spot, and we found out how much it's worth. Following their acquisition at Infinite Esports and Entertainment in June, Immortals found themselves owning both the LA Valiant and the Houston Outlaws. How much is Houston Outlaws worth? About $40 million, I guess. So, Lee Zeben, owner of the Zeben Group, which is a real estate investing company, is looking to buy the Houston Outlaws for $30 million in cash and $10 million in debt. That $10 million owed to the league. I think it's like $10 million a year or $10 million outright to own the league spot. Pretty interesting. I mean, this is the first time we're really seeing modern official numbers showing up for Overwatch League and League of Legends. And it's pretty interesting to see that Overwatch costs about 30% more than League of Legends, which, you know, from a world and global point of view, you wouldn't think that at all. But everyone forgets because like gamers watch all this stuff on tv on streaming networks and blah 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 but like everyone forgets overwatch is on espn like it's legit on espn so there's your 30 percent premium right there all right next up newly minted good guys epic games gives guaranteed minimums for exclusive indie titles so i thought this was a great story just wanted to give a quick shout out to epic games epic games is providing a feature that no store would ever extend to indie game developers exclusivity minimums. So small dev shop Glumberland has recently announced that their indie title Oblitz will be an Epic Games exclusive. In the same blog po- in the same blog post by Glumberland, they also stated that Epic Games exclusivity deal included quote a minimum guarantee on sales that match Glumberland's original forecast for sales across every store. Wow. This is absolutely critical for budgeting and forecasting for small teams. I mean, effectively, they can kind of rest on their laurels and, like, really give a sigh of relief. And I think it's practically unheard of for indie developers unless they have a very critical connection with the platform holder, like your uncle is the head of all of Xbox publishing, or they hold on to a very coveted IP, like you're going to put Cuphead exclusively on this platform. I don't know. Epic Games really is showing kind of what competition can do to the ecosystem. They've lowered the revenue split. They're giving developers what they need to succeed. And they're kind of like, you know, I mean, I I can't even say that something like this. I've never even heard of Glumberland or like Oblitz. And I really doubt Epic is going to recoup whatever they're spending on these minimums. But, you know, I have to give props to them. They're helping out developers and they're kind of pushing the community forward. So good job. 
All right, last up, Ubisoft makes another mobile publisher acquisition and buys Green Panda Games. So Ubisoft has taken a 70% stake in the Paris-based Green Panda Games. Green Panda Games is known for Sushi Bar, Terrarium, and Golf Inc. Tycoon, plus another number of other games that kind of look and play just like all their games, I'm going to be honest. The acquisition amount, of course, was undisclosed. Why would they, exp- why would they give that out? But the 70% stake has the option to reach 100% sometime over the next four years up to Ubisoft. I find that strange. Like, why would a company let Ubisoft buy 70% of their company with the option to buy the other 30%? I mean, you already gave them controlling interest. <laughs> I don't really, like, couldn't you negotiate that better? Anyways, um, this makes the third mobile publisher Ubisoft has acquired over the last three years and seems more like kind of a portfolio diversity piece and then a strategic acquisition. Ubisoft hasn't really utilized Catch App or 1492 Studios in any meaningful way post-acquisition. There's no like synergies. There's no like organizing releases. And I really don't really expect Green Panda Games to be any different. So I don't know, maybe they're just indexing uh, hyper-casual mobile games. Who knows? Who knows what Ubisoft's doing? All right. That's it for this week in games. I'm your host, Eric McConnell. Sorry about the low energy this week. It's a late night. (laughs) I'll catch you guys next week. Take care. Bye.